BDFM. Welcome to BDFM. This is B. And I'm D. And this is a podcast where we rewatch everything. Every episode of every sitcom ever. This if is, we do this long enough. This is a podcast about TV. And it's about life. Life itself. <laughs> about philosophy, science, religion. Usually it's about uh, sex. It's about math. It ends up being about gardening sometimes. The mathematics of gardening. Something mm-hmm. we need to get into. Very deep subject. <laughs> and usually we think about a subject and we think, hey, is there an episode of TV I've seen that explores that subject in some way? And lo and behold. Of course. If no, if nothing else, The Simpsons has done it. Mm-hmm. And Seinfeld and Friends and yeah. Alf has done it. <laughs> if it's been done, Alf has done it. There's nothing new under the sun or on TV. So tell us, B, what um, episode of television you want to watch with me today. The episode of television I am bringing to the table today is an episode of the show, Mr. Show. Season three, episode one, it's called Heaven's Chimney. Oh, awesome. What about you? Oh, I want to finally watch an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yay. Which has been on my list since the beginning, obviously, because it's one of the best sitcoms of all time. There is a very classic episode where there's a new movie out called Thunder Gun, and they make a mad dash across town to go to the theater to see it. Yes. I think a lot of people have seen that. But I don't know if so many people have seen um, a, a later episode in season like 14 or something when they get called into a focus group to give notes on the sequel <laughs> Thundergun Maximum Cool and there's a lot of commentary about um movies and the state of uh, the movie business. Awesome. It's just pre-pandemic but it's pretty still pretty relevant. Okay, so uh I think we're going to watch Mr. Show first. So what episode is it again? It's uh season 3, episode 1. This episode aired on September 12th, 1997. What's the through line of the Uh the through line, well, the uh skeleton the through line that I'm focusing on for this episode has to do with science and religion and different answers that science and religion hold for observable phenomena. Yeah. So if you want, so what we're going to do is uh, take a quick commercial break. And during that break, we are going to watch the episode together and record our thoughts as we do so, which you can watch on Patreon. You can watch it with us. Where is it streaming? HBO? Uh, this is streaming on HBO, yes. Okay, we're going to watch it on HBO Max, and then we're going to come back and do a little summary of every single sketch. <laughs> we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Instant Regret. Instant Regret is... Are you? Do you feel left out when... Uh, all of your friends are full of regret and you just have nothing nothing in your life that you feel bad about. Start ruining everything with our instant regret. It's it's not a pill, it's not a tincture, it's not a 
it's not really a drink or a, a smokable. You'll it's hard to explain. You'll get it when you get it in the mail. You'll feel regret. We promise to start out. Send us a thousand dollars in in crypto. A thousand a thousand cryptos, uh, but in cash, um, and also, or one cat. And send a, a cat. That's what it says here. Send us one cat, and uh, you will instantly regret. The cat to crypto ratio exchange rate is steadily growing. And so get on it now and get your cat for crypt for cryptos. Thousand to one. It's a regret. Buy it now. And we are back from watching Mr. Show. We watched season three, episode one. It's called Heaven's Chimney. It's streaming on HBO Max. It's a collection of sketches, but the the through line uh, that I see in this episode is about ridiculous religious beliefs and how even science, sometimes what you think of as science is really just superstition. They're all, yeah, they're all kind of religious-y, culty sketches. The Bob was an opener mm-hmm. where Bob Odenkirk was a charismatic mm-hmm. leader type. Mm-hmm. Sort of a, Yeah. And, and uh, then there's David being deprogrammed. Then from, there's deprogramming. From this, oh um, yeah, Tom Kenny came in. To mm-hmm. And Tom Kenny explains to him that while what the Bob has been saying is crazy, what's true is this so this Christian afterlife story that he tells him. <laughs> he tells him this this story of a very a very literal version of the Christian heaven. Yeah, um, which and makes it sound even crazier. Exactly, which leads into crazy religious beliefs. Crazy religious beliefs, which is like. Um, America's Funniest Home Videos, they mm-hmm. just, they say a lot of stuff that would be construed as extremely racist in some contexts, mm-hmm. but it doesn't come off that way because they're basically... Well, they're um, treating it like America's Funniest Home Videos treats just, a little kid who falls down or does something silly. It's like, they, they what say, are these guys doing? Like They basically take on the top three the religions. They take on Christianity, mm-hmm. Judaism, and uh, Islam all as if it was just mm-hmm. a ludicrous hilarious joke I, I think that's a theme of the whole episode is that um, they treat the big corporate religions as if they're fringe and they treat the fringe ones as if they're mm-hmm. more real there's a there's a little uh, uh, sort of an off-topic sketch about people who want to have a baby but they want their friends to watch them have sex so that they can people sex yep mm-hmm not really thematic, yeah, but it was it's funny. Yeah, very funny. The the Devastator, which is a roller coaster. That's one of the that, that's one of the <laughs> classic sketches. Because it's the a roller, roller coaster, coaster that, that like keeps you underwater for two full minutes and <laughs> it's so badass. It just basically kills everyone. <laughs> it's just, but the the whole thing is treated as if it's a natural disaster. It's treated as if there's a hurricane coming or well, yeah, you know, there's something that's, that's it starts off as a straight parody of. Uh, Six Flags yeah. commercial. <laughs> this ride it will will blow you away, and they they say <laughs> like how tough all the rides are, and yeah. so it's a, just a straight satire of that gone to the extreme, and then they <laughs> just make turn it into like a a horror nine one one episode, which uh, which bleeds into a sketch about Bob and David driving home together and the car ride. <laughs> 
Bob is being incredibly insensitive to David trying to share all this stuff with him and Bob just keeps acting like mm -hmm. his bullshit is more important and they get into a car accident. It turns out to be an educational video about car accidents and how you shouldn't share sad information with the driver, <laughs> which leads into the educational <laughs> film festival and my favorite sketch ever, medieval science film. The film is called The Limits of Science. Everybody, basically a medieval dark ages sort of mud huts and mm -hmm. talking about like their sort of wizard beliefs as if they're hard science. That leads the, into yeah. the evangelists, the Jim and Tammy Faye Baker sort of stand-ins. <laughs> Who are singing Hail Satan. They're, they're on the Hail the Satan network. And they ended with you this are. weird angel and devil cartoon that was from like the 40s or something where they redubbed. Yeah, the end of it is a sort of it's a little, um, you know who it is? It's It might be Little Lulu. Oh, um, right. So my episode this week is an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. We're going from one of the best sketch shows ever to one of the best sitcoms. And this episode we're going to watch is season 14, episode 2. It's sort of a, a callback, or they have, a, they have running references to a movie called Thunder Gun, which is the ultimate action movie. And it's not about a gun called the Thunder Gun. It's about a man named John Thunder Gun. <laughs> um, and, and for the first time, we get to see clips of the movie. So that's pretty fun. We're going to watch season 14, E2, Thunder Gun 4, Maximum Cool. Go watch it. You can watch along with us on the Patreon if you feel like it, or you can just go watch it by yourself. Or you could just skip watching it, and we'll give you a summary when we come back. <clears throat> this episode is brought to you by... Box of Beds. This is a subscription service where you'll, a box comes to your house, and when you pop it open, a bed pops out. pops out so big, you don't know how big the bed is going to be until you get it. It could be as big as a whole house. We'll send you one box of beds every week. For the, the rest of your life. And the funny part is that you don't know how many there's going to be, but if you do uh, pay the full $100 per month, you will get at least five beds That's per a really box. good deal. Each box has multiple beds in it, by the way, and, and they come weekly, <laughs> just, just to reiterate. It's a lot of fucking beds. That's their tagline. Box of beds. It's a lot of fucking beds. And we're back. We just watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Season 14, Episode 2, Thunder Gun 4, Maximum Cool. <laughs> Let me give you a quick rundown of the episode if you did not just watch it. It's a bottle episode, really. There's only um, two sets. Mm -hmm. They might all be within the same building. Yeah, and the two it, sets are a conference room and a movie theater, a, a small movie theater room. Private theater. And it's the, the, the five-person gang that's the stars of the show, but uh, um, one other person who we've never met before who's a um, focus group coordinator. And she found them at a mall, and she offered them Red Lobster gift certificates if they would watch and critique a movie because they want regular average Joe's opinion on this new movie. Mm -hmm. And the group's like, oh, we're already tearing this experience apart. It's probably going to suck. Just play it so we can go to Red Lobster. And then she's like, the name of the movie is Thunder Gun 4, Maximum Cool. 
and they freak out because Thunder Gun's their favorite movie ever. If you're not familiar with It's Always Sunny, go back and watch at least, well, there's so many good episodes. Go back and watch all of them from the beginning. But um, one of them, one of the classic episodes is... In season seven, Thunder Gun Express. It's just called Thunder Gun Express. Um, This one's Thunder Gun 4, and they refer to... They refer back to the Mad Dash across town mm-hmm. when they went to the last movie. Obama was in town. That That's <laughs> how old it was. It was yeah. during the Obama administration. Obama was in town. All the streets were closed, and they were trying to get to a movie at a theater. So anyway, our gang is going to watch Maximum Cool. And so we start by seeing the, the credits. They've just watched the movie, and they go, wow, that sucked. Did they make Thundergun c- crappy? And then they're like, mm-hmm. we have to fix this movie. So they go. They talk to the focus group coordinator, and she shows them uh, the first scene again, where he meets a brainy and tough scientist of some sort, and she says she's a woman scientist. She's a woman scientist <laughs> with a a young assistant named Max, and she tells them there's a bad guy, and then they do a Spartacus scene. <laughs> oh, they they do a little like hologram of the bad general whatever his name is and then he's like bring me who who is thunder gun and everybody stands up and says i am thunder gun i am thunder gun <laughs> um so then she stops the movie and the gang gets just they're mad because the they can't tell who the bad guy is because he's a white guy and they need him to be foreign so they can hate him <laughs> they're mad about the woman um because especially d because she doesn't want any competition in movies so she wants every woman to be flawed and then killed in every movie she sees um better than dead that's that's yeah. her her motto about women in movies so basically they just have all the wrong opinions the most racist sexist opinions possible but then it quickly gets to okay the elephant in the room where's the dong they're they're mad because there's no sex scenes and he doesn't it. hang dong mm-hmm. because they made it into a pg-13 franchise because they're rebooting the franchise dun, into a dun, dun. they made it into a pg-13 movie that's the midpoint twist <laughs> um and they're pissed about that and they're, they're so one of the best lines is danny devito i'm i'm so mad but i don't know at what they're uh, saying all these things that are you know could stand in for any they're basically you know, people on twitter reaction to people on to twitter screaming at yeah. the new ghostbusters or the new that Anything. they love, that they deserve uh, better movies. And this is not at all unlike Indiana Jones 4, um, which was terrible and had some of the same plot points as Thundergun 4, including dun, 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 Thundergun has a son. That's the midpoint twist in the movie. Does that happen in Indiana Jones 4? Yeah. Is the son Shia LaBeouf or something? Shia LaBeouf is. It his, is? Yeah. I just made that up. They're totally going. In in fact, if Shia wasn't such a dumbass, he would be the new Indiana Jones. Because the idea was that they were going to hand over the the whole franchise to Shia. But everybody hates working with Shia because apparently he's he's a dick to everybody. So I think he's going to be in the new one, but maybe not for long. I think it's going to be Ki Hui Kwan. I hope. Is Ki Kwan coming back? God, I hope so. Um, I don't know about he that. It. I definitely saw a quote from Harrison Ford that said, uh, Indiana Jones dies with me. He he basically said, What? <laughs> don't you fuckers dare try to make another one after I'm gone. 
Okay, back to the show. So this is when Dennis goes on a great lecture about how it used to be the pearl-clutching conservative types who were upset about sex in movies, but now there's a liberal wave of moral authority that's washing over. People used to be upset at immoral sexual acts in movies. From, because they were conservative. The, right. Mm-hmm. And now there's a wave of, you know, mm-hmm. we don't want to see sexual situations out of you know it, it's like a, it's like an over commitment to the concept respect. of consent or, or yeah, an over exactly. con- commitment to like well yeah it's i i would say the, the cartoonish idea of what conservatives think wokeness is which yes. is you can't be funny or or uh talk about anything it, it's kind of a funny speech and then the, the woman who's doing the focus group says that this is not because of political correctness but because of piracy nobody's going to see movies anymore because everybody's stealing them and they're like we don't steal movies and then they're like oh yeah that movie <laughs> yeah, that movie site is called moviepirates.org or something <laughs> and she tells them you're part of the problem so they decide since frank danny devito has recorded the whole movie on his phone they release it on a pirate site before it's even out and it's panned it's critically panned fans hate it Basically, everybody says, what are you doing? You've ruined it. They, the, the gang succeeds in killing the movie. And then we see some variety headlines. Thunder Gun revived the new <laughs> gritty version for hardcore fans. Yeah, it's like a true fans, you know, a love letter to the true fans. And it's back to its roots. And it's, you know. It's a true gritty reboot yeah, with all the sex and down, violence. He's going to bed and dead some chick. Yep. It's going to be great. It's and gonna there's gonna not going to be any woke nonsense. <laughs> be as dumb as it used to be. And the punchline is, oh, that movie, the new Thunderguns out. Do you want to do a mad dash across town? And they're all like, no, just let's, let's play it off the pirate site on my phone. Yeah. And they're at the bar watching all five of them watching a tiny phone. And the last line of the show is put on auto motion plus. <laughs> great joke. Yeah. So that's that feels very relevant the idea that studios are wanting people to get back into theaters and this was before the pandemic just before the pandemic and almost seems like they were looking into the future a little bit it really bothers me i feel like i'm getting yelled at from all sides including like all the movie podcasts i listen to Mm -hmm. and i see it on tv all the time and i see it in commercials and what Nicole Kidman says at the beginning of <laughs> movies are magical and you have to go to the theaters to save the. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about fucking, you have to save the theaters. And, you know, I'm a tall, fat guy, and <laughs> theaters for all of my life have been expensive, uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, they hurt. You're always having to get the aisle seat to put your legs out. I can't put my legs anywhere. I'm scrunched in the back. To be if fair, if I scoot back, my head hurts. I'll, al- I'll allow you to call yourself a fat guy. I will say, if you were, if there was an audition for a fat guy, you would not be. You would not get the part. <laughs> I mean, you're not TV. I say that fat. You are a thick. I'm I'm fat enough you, that you, you got you've got a barrel chest. Maybe that might. If I call myself skinny in front of my skinny friends, they go. eh. But if I call myself fat in front of my frat, fat friends, they punch me in the face. So no one will have me. Um, I'm between skinny and fat. The point is that theaters are not theaters are not extremely comfortable for everyone for a lot of reasons. Also, like yeah, people for, like me who've got 
bladders that like to Small be bladders. emptied. Small bladders, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, you can't so pause often. it. So, or or this is what know. pisses me off about technology is, in my mind, streaming a movie at home. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm not a rich guy. I just have a six hundred dollar projector in the ceiling that's cheaper than the TV set, and it mm-hmm. projects on the wall, and it's huge. It sounds good, and I can eat whatever I want, and it doesn't mm-hmm. cost me 35 bucks for a can of popcorn. Mm-hmm. And I can pause it to go pee, Yeah, and we can make love and <laughs> watch it again later if we miss anything. <laughs> yes. um, it's just, to me, like the technology's gotten to the point where streaming is better than theaters. Theaters, yeah. if you wanted my <laughs> dedication mm-hmm. that you're now demanding yeah why did why didn't you uh decide to make it comfortable for me 10 years ago yeah. or 20 years ago i mean there are some theaters you know that have tried to take that niche and run with it but yeah I there mean, are it's, now, it's like we it, we went to one actually to be fair in glendale that was super comfy it was like these big lazy boys mm-hmm. and you could and order the only from thing the that table made me on your feel, phone it's the only thing that made me feel safe enough to to watch nope i was terrified it was like am i I'm gonna watch a jordan peele movie in the theater i mean this was terrifying to me now <laughs> it was more of a it was basically it was more like of an action thriller a, than a horror but it's scary it was kind of scary, scary. Um, it was basically like watching in a living room though mm-hmm. uh, we were basically yeah. just watching in yeah. lazy boys but i feel like is, the, the yeah. old way of the old way of showing movies in theaters included the intermission which is like this sure. old-fashioned thing, which we were like, why did we ever do that anyway? It's so silly. Let's just watch it all. But it's like, you know, yeah, I would I would love to go to the theaters if I got to go to this old-timey theater where there's an intermission and they fucking serve tea and it's like comfortable sure. and there's, you know, there's there's room for, there's room if for this like, hey, we can't all just like sit for two and a half hours. Go outside you know? and smoke a joint in the middle. Yeah, but Let's it's, th- you know. You know. Yeah. Frankly, I want to smoke a joint while I'm watching a movie. That's why at home is better again. <laughs> exactly. Although, you or, know, the, the you know. Vista Theater in L.A. was always great because they had an or- the old that organist guy who would play before the movies. Wow. I never saw Remember a that? live organist at the Vista. At the Vista? I, I believe you. 100%. Well, a lot of times. I, I don't think he I. Would, he would play before remember. movies. They did not do the Maybe? intermissions, though. No. Um, and it was still not that comfy, although they had a lot of leg room. They just didn't have yeah. any um, comfy chairs. What I'm saying is stop mm-hmm. screaming at us to go back to the theaters and instead, movie producers, mm-hmm. make figure out a business model where you can release them at home. I'll yeah. I'll pay 10 bucks to see a movie every once in a while, not everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe maybe it needs to be like, I'll buy a ticket. Maybe movie theaters. For an at-home experience. Instead of trying to do less well what we can do at home, in other words, sit down and watch a movie and turn the lights off and stuff. And like, um, you know, at home you can, you have better control over your light levels and over whether you go to the bathroom and all that stuff. Like these are things that the movie theaters can't compete with. Yeah. But like maybe if there was a movie experience that offers something completely different... For example, when you project a movie in a graveyard, yeah, or have it be in a museum something. or something, a drive-in is kind of cool. New, if it's a drive-in, because you're offering something a little unique, something unusual. And it's I not think, just like places sit. 
maybe that's what it is is we're 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 evolving into the new paradigm where movie theaters themselves are an every once in a while treat the movie companies just can't get it through the thick skull that it's not going to be Every everybody's night. not going to go out every Friday night and see movies anymore. That's We're not going back to that. Yeah. And that's the problem. That's what we always get growing pains with, with um, these paradigm changes where the old guard does not recognize that things have changed and are not going back to the old way. Mm-hmm. And you see this a lot. People don't read books anymore. Well, they mm-hmm. read other things, you know. We still, as humans, love to read. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, maybe we love yeah. to read BuzzFeed instead of yeah. novels. My like, kid doesn't read as many paperback books as I did, but she certainly reads a lot more on video games. Or magazines. Yeah, I don't get a newspaper like my parents did, but I read way more news than they did. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a different paradigm. You can't scream and, and shout and, and try to force people to keep doing the old way the old way was going to movie theaters the Mm -hmm. new way is watching at home and you can still make money off that just offer us a an option i just get frustrated at uh it's not political conservatism it's it's pop culture conservatism in the sense that we're we're digging in our heels Mm -hmm. and not going to and we're closing our eyes and we're not going to accept that the mm-hmm. world is changing around us. Mm. Well, I've been thinking about a little bit about how so often in human history we rediscover things from a couple generations ago and we're like, "Oh, actually the way they did this was actually really cool." And it manifests in just like how things come back into fashion, retro things come back into fashion. Um mm-hmm. but also like how we just said, "Hey, you know, the intermission like maybe that was something, <laughs> <laughs> or or pre pre show uh, mm-hmm. shorts. Yeah, used like to be a thing. Maybe that was something. Maybe there was a reason that we that we did it like that. And there's and you know you can extrapolate that to becoming very socially conservative. <laughs> you know, there's a you know that can be a runaway train if you're like, yeah, actually we should go back to a lot of ways that things used to be done. Um, but there are certain things. I mean. Uh, during the pandemic, we rediscovered a lot of things of like, oh, wow, wait, there have been times in human history where people have had to sit very far from each other. And we used to think that, like, that was so weird. Why were they sitting all the way away? Because mm. the pox was in town or whatever. There's a lot of examples of that. But the Mr. Show episode we watched is definitely about things from the past that we would not want to reclaim. <laughs> but we kind of are. Like, we might not be. The, the the popularity of astrology among my generation. Uh, I mean, it was yeah. So this episode was all about crazy beliefs. It's all about crazy beliefs and, and wizards and stuff, and and certainly something that we are reclaiming from mm. the deep past is <laughs> like this kind paganism. You, I mean, you, astrology you has persisted throughout, but it's st- it's still at least it's at least a seventies throwback. Something, especially in Hollywood, and I've talked about you know white people clinging to Eastern religions, but also white people clinging to astrology type, spiritual, like faux science sort of religions. Yeah. Scientology is like that too. They they sound scientific. They're, they're like belief mm-hmm. systems that sound sort of like science on the surface, like they make sense if you don't really look into it. 
we were watching um, this thing called The Vow, which is on the Nivixium. Nixium. Nixium. Nixium, but it's N-V-I-X-M, I think. Cult that happened in Hollywood. And a lot of Hollywood people got into it, I guess. And it was sort of, um, there was a charismatic leader. A lot of the followers who are now sort of deprogrammed kept saying, he was the smartest man in, on the planet. And every time I heard him say something, it's like he was saying nothing at all. He was just saying these spiritual platitudes. Worse than meaningless stuff. Like, just like, you have to have faith and you have to steal yourself. And But there was no there there, you know? Yeah. You could tell that there was no... He was just somehow charismatically saying no. platitudes I mean, it's, that sound... It's just sound, grooming. It's grooming, really. Because he just is. he just was like laying these ideas in people's heads like, I'm really smart and just... What, what is our human... Um, condition where we want to i feel like i call it lazy boy logic but also it, it's something there's something nostalgic about it from your your childhood like when I, I i have a very distinct early memory of asking my mom if god made everything who made god and she's like he wow. was just there the whole time he's just always been there and i'm like that doesn't seem right because and that's how you find the scientists and it's the like kids who ask that question if everything is made except this one thing and it was just there the whole time, that doesn't sound right. Like, I want to look deeply. Yeah. I want to look more deeply into this. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things that you're told as a child and you just accept and doesn't really make sense. Yeah. And I think that when you hear, if you go into a cri- any crystal shop and they, <laughs> mm-hmm. they're going to hand you a rock and they're going to say a bunch of platitudes that sound like things you heard when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, this is going to bring you peace, and it's going to center things and draw wisdom from the cosmos or whatever. Yeah. They're going to tell you a lot of things that just sound like something, but yeah. and really if they, based in nothing. And if they have an impression on you, then the placebo effect that you get when you hold the rock sure. might be that you start breathing more deeply, and you start feeling a little more calm. And you go, I remember those ladies said this is going to help me feel calm. It's and like you're magnetic like, magnetic insoles. Ah. You know, it's, yeah, it's like, like, yeah, lucky, lucky rocks work and that they make <laughs> you feel that, like, of course, like anything. Magnetic I jewelry sort of, are supposed to like. Yeah. I sort of believe in those things in a way, not because I believe it's really objectively working. I think that people can sort of help themselves through using sort of like focusing, using an object to focus their kind of intention. But talking about like intentions even sounds woo-woo nowadays. I just mean like literally just being like, I'm going to try to work hard today. <laughs> yeah. And every time I look at this thing, I'm going to remember that I committed to that. There is something there about a lot of these beliefs have a base gem of truth to them. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, yeah. the secret is intentionality and, you know, you, you do a wonder wall. Oh, no, no, what's it called? You do a like poster board, a vision board. A yeah. vision board yeah. If you do a vision board, this is why that works. Mm-hmm. If you spend an afternoon cutting out pictures of things mm-hmm. you love, putting them on a board, and then every day you wake up and you look at that board, mm-hmm. you remind yourself of yeah. the goals you're working towards. And it, hopefully that directs you to make choices that work towards those goals. Yeah. I think the problematic part comes when you believe that the universe is reorganizing itself and 
giving you things or withholding things based on how hard you wish for it, which is which really runs you into quite a problem right away, which is like, so if I don't get something, it's because I didn't wish hard enough. Yeah. And, and I don't like that's the, Calvinism. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, do I have this instinct that's just like the like a, I really can't work for anything. It's just that if I just really wish, then like maybe it'll just happen. Yeah. I, that's kind of my default mindset in a way. Like the important thing is that I believe, even if like whether I'm working hard or not, because I have this other debilitating belief, which is if you work really hard but you don't believe enough, it still won't work. Mm. Um, which also, which Maybe honestly kind of leaves that. room for luck. I mean, it kind of makes sense. It's like, well, yeah, you can work really hard for something and it won't work. And you can just go, well, well I guess I didn't true. believe hard enough and blame yourself. Hollywood li is littered with people that work really, really fucking hard mm -hmm. and um, don't go anywhere. But um, there is a lot of luck involved. But just, you know, just focusing your intention on something is not going to make it happen. True. You know, I, uh, I, for someone who doesn't literally believe that astrology can actually affect our lives, I know quite a bit about astrology, at least about like the signs and the planets and different meanings of things. And um, I've long said that I've known you long enough that I ought to be able to work up an astrological chart for you without knowing it because I've never looked at your astrology unintentionally I've been like I'm not going to ever look up your astrology but if I ever were to I ought to be able from knowing you long enough if astrology were true I should be able to say well that, you're clearly probably a Leo rising you probably have your moon true. in Gemini or something but the problem is That's with the problem is with whatever it is wherever your Mars is will make sense because I can make it make sense using that language because it's a language of of emotions and archetypes it's poetry so yeah i can you can say... never predict this is the this is the trick of astrology you can never predict something mm -hmm. forward it's only like, descriptive you can only predict the past uh, yeah and and that's how it, it melds itself to the situation you can't predict what yeah. someone's going to be like or do in the future and there's no amount of psychicness will tell mm -hmm. you that but you can tell somebody that the car broke down last week because <laughs> mercury is moving yeah. <laughs> in a certain direction and it right. works in hindsight yeah every time no absolutely every time you go i'm frustrated oh god is mercury in retrograde or something and you look it up and it's not <laughs> it's like it's not it's like oh, well, it's because, it was something because else. it's not yeah or you look because at it you... and it is and you're like aha exactly proof exactly you you reinforce it when it does work and you um which is how people get in these cults uh, they mm -hmm. when things are true they're they're reinforced getting into scientology yeah. the first thing the first thing they do is make you go to a like a detox weekend where mm -hmm. you eat clean and you don't right. oh you were in scientology for 25 years is that correct <laughs> <laughs> sorry yes up until yesterday <laughs> they have you gotta you have to detox and I just read this Mysterious. that, um, I mean, the side story, I went to, um, I walked past the Scientology Center once when I was in my early 20s and I was just out of engineering school and full, head full of mathematics and logic. And they said, hey, you want to take a free IQ test? Oh my God. And I was like, sure. And my, I was with a, my friend, uh, I think his name was Matt. 
and he's also an engineer. And we both sat down and did this test and we handed it to them and they they graded it and they looked at both of them and we were both in the <laughs> like high 170s or something and they said, oh. <laughs> you got to keep they walking, said, boys. They said, this is the point where we tell you Scientology will increase your IQ, but um, <gasps> you scored higher than anyone else has ever come in here. Uh, so... Oh. Would you like a free copy of Dianetics? <laughs> so we took free free books of Dianetics and we walked out and they didn't try to keep us. Wow, I mean, that's like, you, you um, might have broke their brains broke a the little test. bit because they were like, wait a minute. And L. Ron Hubbard himself only scored a 160 <laughs> or something. We're the new, <laughs> we, we are the new incarnations of Hubbard. Yeah, but honestly, because if you're that but, smart, you're, it's not going to work for you. Yeah. Because you're going to go, you know, this I, is... IQ tests, by the way, mostly are about math but they're yeah. they're about math skills <laughs> and like spatial reasoning um more than anything so it doesn't mean you're a genius to get a high iq but it, no it but does you were mean, you were disposed predisposed to get I mean, a good i'm test not saying score. we weren't smart and we had years of college master's level mm-hmm. mathematics behind us so um those kind of tests were pretty easy at that point Anyway, what the, what Scientology does, I hear, is when you join, is they do a detox weekend where you're active, you're eating well, you're not allowed to drink or smoke. Mm-hmm. So what happens is everybody goes, wow, I feel great. Yeah. <laughs> After this weekend, I feel amazing. Yeah. This religion must be onto something. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of cults, the first thing you do in a cult is they... I don't know. They give you a sound bath, or you play bongos, or what you know, mm-hmm, whatever yeah, it is. Or, or you take psychedelics, or, or you fast for a while, some or, sort of drugs, or something. Or you're, or you're had, you have sex with twenty people, or something. Yeah, some maybe. kind of out of body experience, some kind of. What was that David Wayne movie we watched where this exact thing happened? The, oh God, the, yeah. Uh, wait. Wanderlust. It happened in Wanderlust where they basically. They get high and they play music and they fuck uh, beautiful <laughs> yeah. people. And then they're like, wow, we should stay in this commune forever. Yeah. And it takes them for a little while to realize that there's no there there. That there's no, mm-hmm. that they feel good because they're having sex and smoking and yeah. playing music every night. Just like you feel good when you do your entry level yeah. detox weekend. But it's not um, because of the man on the top of the pyramid. It's not because the philosophy is the smartest on the planet. Or is it? I don't know. I'm not. I'm just some guy. I don't know what a real charismatic leader is. There room in the world for <laughs> an actual charismatic leader? That I mean, like Neil deGrasse Tyson is not it, <laughs> but he is the kind. He he does have charisma, and he does you know like this is what would actually happen mm-hmm. in this scenario. He's I would I would guy. follow Chuck Nice. Chuck Nice as is a charismatic funny. leader, to be honest. He's, I mean, because he doesn't pretend to know everything. But he's always but there he's to make also a joke really and smart. He's funny. But yeah, like, could there be a charismatic leader who who isn't just saying a bunch of platitudes or who isn't just totally? You know what that's called, uh, Cassandra. Mm-hmm. Is is because uh, the Cassandra effect refers to someone who is saying all of the truths of uh, and predicting the future, but mm-hmm. no one is listening. Yeah. Jimmy Carter, of I guess. Lack of charisma. Wow, Jimmy Carter is a great <laughs> example of a Cassandra. <laughs> He put up uh, solar panels in the White House, and then in a oh. foreshadowing of our last 40 years, Ronald yep. Reagan took them down. The reason that this Mr. Show episode is is 
my favorite is i mean <laughs> the reason that this uh that mr show sketch is my favorite um the science video the, the science the, the limits ages, of science middle age science is just because it is such a cute it's such it does what what the best sci-fi should always do which is that it uses alienation to make you consider like look at these people in this situation this is your situation but we're using a metaphor to like show you what your situation is we are like those people living in the dark ages saying isn't life great now we've figured out all this stuff Mm. the automobile Mm. The fucking pinnacle of human like movement, which is like laughable. It will be laughable in, in hundreds of years that we moved ourselves around in these stupid yeah, horseless like carriages. Or I want automated public transport. I want self-driving trolleys. <laughs> this is yeah. what I'm looking for. I think that's very close. To I happening. want something that is self-driving that is not an individualistic, that is not individually owned by one household. I want it to be like community level. But once we have that, we'll be like, come on, what were we doing yeah. back then? Or Just automated people movers or, yeah, like high-speed city-to-city transport with no mm-hmm. human drivers. It could be very much on the horizon. I think just a car that's just a pod that's just sort of a self-driving robot is, is very close to the future. Yeah, we saw some of those uh, Cadillac prototypes. Oh, the flying. It's sort of these weird little... One of them was like a flying. The Cadillac store. It was a flying car. Mall. Where yeah. was the? We were at the. Oh, we, well, I'm it, not going to advertise. Think, yeah, it was it? <laughs> it was some kind of fancy mall. We were at one of the LA <laughs> some fancy some kind of fancy malls outdoor mall owned by not the mayor of LA. <laughs> right. Um, hopefully, Karen Bass is our new mayor. But if you're listening to this, um, that story you is probably still updating. know that, but we don't know the answer. We don't know if Karen Bass is one yet. Anyway, we were at one of the fancy malls by the other person running against Karen Bass. And um, yeah, the <laughs> Cadillac store had a flying two-person drone that was about the size of a small room. It was very cool. It didn't actually work, though. No, it was just showing it you was like, just like... One of them was like, this is for this is what, a, what one person would take as like a little cab to get somewhere. It would fly away. And then there was another cab. one that was like, what if all your friends wanted to chill and, and it was a car? It was it didn't fly, but it was a car. Oh yeah. That like it was a long limo. That you could all get in. And it was heavily implied it was like this is your wine ladies luncheon. <laughs> all these ladies are drunk. Or, and that's yeah, it's a party. A it's it's a it's a party wagon. Bachelorette party wagon with <laughs> with a bar and like neon lights and there's no driver. <laughs> there's there's a lot to it. I'm but I'm all for uh those kinds of advances in technology the problem is how do we keep ourselves from trying to cling on to the past and yeah people um, are going to be like yeah this it just happened to me today um my friend jeff just texted me didn't you used to work for this guy and there's an article about this santa barbara computer ceo and i i did not like him um but (laughs) so i'm not going to say his name (laughs) he's spending millions of dollars of his own money to try to sue Elon Musk because he says oh. Tesla is driving driverless cars, has put driverless cars on the road, and they don't pass some safety regulations. So I haven't looked into it, but I think it's funny that this guy was a this guy that I worked for, this tech millionaire, was a big libertarian when I knew him, 
And hmm. now he's like, he's, he's what? He's a Ralph Nader style road safety guy. That's like the <laughs> opposite of libertarian. Like if you're really libertarian, you should be like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's yeah. screw the regulations. Let's just put cars on the road and see how they work. Yeah. And the people that die will die. And they just, they just rolled a bad hand, which I'm, I'm actually more libertarian in this, in, in this, in the idea of technology than I am in the economy. I think the economy <laughs> needs a liberal helping hand more than technology does. <laughs> sure. Anyway, I thought it was funny that these millionaires are fighting. Elon Musk, truly evil, and we weren't sure if he was stupid until just a few weeks ago, and now the, the <laughs> it's been jury is in. It's been confirmed that he is a stupid, stupid man. He's fighting with another douchebag millionaire, <laughs> and I don't like either one of them. But um, what they're fighting about is relevant, which is how fast we're going to transition into mm-hmm. driverless technology. And I guess with as, as with the uh, movie theaters, I would say, let's not just resist for the sake of resisting. That mm-hmm. reminds me of, you know, yeah. did you ever see the movie Who Killed the Electric Car? It's not really relevant now, but... It came out in the... I think I might have had to watch it in like... 2000s. A politics class in community college or something. At, at that point, we time. were like, there's never going to be electric cars. Right. <laughs> it sucks. Because this is exactly relevant to the movie theater discussion. Car companies started making electric cars in the 2000s, and then they realized, oh, we can't make as much money off these as motor cars because motor cars need more upkeep. Fuel gas, gas motors need more upkeep than electric motors. So they had the technology, people loved them, um, but they killed it. There, there was this, Mm -hmm. this first electric car was out there, and all these rich people were buying it because you had to be rich, obviously. I mean, all of these rich people were leasing it, but they would not sell it to them. Mm -hmm. And then one day, the company that made them collected them all back. You know, It, it leased out thousands of these cars, but they wouldn't sell them. So the people who leased them suddenly just had them sort of confiscated back and they're like what why i I like i love my electric car why are you taking it back and the reason was because they weren't making enough money for maintenance on them so the car companies in 2006 or something decided oh let's just close our eyes and pretend electric is not happening rather than what they should have done which is let's figure out a way to make you know a business model for this new technology work it's very much like the, there's a coal industry in West Virginia and that Senator Manchin is like, we're, I'm going to protect people working in coal with, my, with both hands. And they're so stupid because right now solar panels, mining for the minerals in solar panels is so much more lucrative than mining for coal. Mm. So what he could be saying if he was right. smart was coal is going the way of the dodo the future is mining for molybdenum or whatever it is <laughs> yeah. but um there's still mining to be done there's still work to be done the technology is changing there's new solar or whatever wind they could be building factories that have tur- that build turbines or something mm-hmm. but instead they're going to stick their feet in the mud and they're going to go no we're going all in on coal we're not going to mm-hmm. change and we're going to vote against clean energy bills because we don't want to change because everybody in our state works for coal. And, like, if you have any foresight whatsoever, 
you will tell all the people working for coal, yeah. hey, I'm going to help you get a job working for solar. Yeah. <laughs> because eventually they're either going to switch or be out of work. And the yeah. people the people with no foresight who are sticking their head in the ground and going, no, 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 no. Those are the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. Those are the coal people. Those are the gas car mm-hmm. lobby yeah, contingent. Just, they just keep wanting us to go down into the dark theater and the dark mine and the dark <laughs> the buggy, engine they're of the, the buggy soul. Whip. They're the buggy whip salesmen. <laughs> Is that a thing, buggy whips? Um, yeah, right. You know, horse-drawn carriages required buggy whips, I guess. Th- this is my understanding of it. Mm-hmm. In the turn of the 20th century, horse-drawn drawn carriages needed buggy whips, and buggy whips was a big industry. And the engine car came out, and, you know, there were people that got out of the buggy whip business, and there were people who didn't see it coming and mm-hmm. stayed in it, and they are the, not the ones that <laughs> turned out a profit. Yeah. It's hard. You got to keep keep on the cutting edge of technology <laughs> sometimes or at least oh, at least don't at least on resist. the on the resistance the wave go with the wave if you can <laughs> well going with the wave is a good way to put it technology is not going to stop like somebody on some podcast was was decrying like there's light pollution and there's satellites now that you can see satellites and we we're trying to fight to get rid of satellites and so, and the, the scientist was like uh, well, you know, that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true. Like, there's going to be more satellites tomorrow than there are today, and that's going to keep happening. There's just literally no way to stop that except if we blow up the world and go back to a Stone Age yeah. society. But the the point is, so what? <laughs> there's a little bit. So what, piano? I don't think it should I don't think we should get upset about evolution of the species and technology. There's going to be less stars in the sky in the future. Well, get used to it. That's true. You can try to fight it. I don't know if um our topics really merged at all. <laughs> kind of. Well, why do people believe There are some things in the past that People will stubbornly be believe that things will never change. And, and that now is the pinnacle. <laughs> now, right now is the end of history. Mm-hmm. That's one thing people think that now is the end or now is. Yeah. Even like I remember in the 80s, people used to say all the time, mm-hmm. hey, man, it's the 80s. You know, like we <laughs> don't do that anymore. It's the 80s. As if this is the most mm-hmm. evolved we'll ever become. And people said it in the 90s. When I grew up, people said it. It's the nineties. It's the nineties, man. Catch up to Come the nineties. And and, and and every single day I see something, a tweet or something says, It's twenty twenty two, okay? It's, 2022. it's like Why Yeah, I remember when people this? said it's twenty sixteen. Why are we still it's twenty twelve, okay? <laughs> yeah. Every time we say it, it's yeah, it's And it's I mean, yeah, but there, I mean, there could have been people who were like, It's nineteen thirty seven, okay. I think we can get over sure, this. I'm sure they I mean did. <laughs> Why are we still doing this? It's it's eleven sixteen. <laughs> um, <laughs> Guys, the emperor is dead. <laughs> guess what? Every one of them is in the past. Yeah, and it's every it's person. A march, it's a relentless march forward. Has said the date as a statement of the modern age. 
is in the past. Yeah, I don't know if that's funny or just sad. Uh, time is marching on. And time, time, as They Might Be Giants said, to make the donuts is still marching on. Time to make the donuts. Time to make. And Oh, and, and now pizza. you're older than you were, and now you're even older. You're older than you've ever been. You're, you're older you're than even. you've ever been, and now you're older, older still. Older than you've ever been, and now you're even older. And now you're even older. And now you're even older. I saw that live. Amazing. Mm-hmm. They are one of the best bands I've actually seen so live, I think. Shout out to the Johns and their their people, their band of people. This song is called The They Might Be Giants song. The day I saw They Might Be Giants was the greatest day. I was at the concert and I saw them. I saw the guitars. This is like a Anthony and the Johnson song. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. And that's our show. This has been BDFM. Um, I am B. I'm D. FM stands for... Frenetic Mosquitoes. That's true. That was, uh, yeah, those we, we watched two very good episodes of television. I think we really solved uh, some of the world's problems <laughs> in doing so. And if you'd like to hear us Just look, continuing to solve all the world's problems through TV, we're going to continue doing that. Check out the world's problems before this episode was released, and then go to your news app and check out the world's problems afterwards. And I think you'll find that there's few less. We're at BDFM Pod on Twitter, which might still, still work, might still be up. We're, we're gonna put it on Instagram soon, hopefully, under that name. Go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash BDFM pod. And uh, if you throw us a couple of bucks, you can watch some of the watch along episodes, or you can go to garage.tv that's G R A G E dot TV slash BDFM pod. There you'll find our podcast. And if you become a subscriber of Garage TV, you can watch our watch-alongs on that website. Mm-hmm. BDFM, as always, is brought to you by Space Captain Pinball, which is a pinball game. Space Captain Pinball. You know, like pinball, but in space. It's a game where you tilt your phone back and forth, and you make the little thingy roll around, and it, it hits the thingy, and you get all these points, and you collect all these things, and it's so scientific, and it's actually very educational. You'll pinball around like an idiot. Download the free game on iOS and Android, and you can also find that at garage.tv. That's my website. That's why, because I put my apps on there and my podcast. (laughs) This has been uh, something or other. Yeah. We will see you in future weeks, and like Cassandra, you will ignore all of our our well-meaning prophecies. Yeah, well, I think I'm not going to be a Cassandra if I when I predict that we're about to smoke pot, eat pizza, and fuck. This has been BDFM. This has been BDFM. FM stands for Freaky Mama.
BDFM.